Well, if you have your Bible, uh, we will be in Psalm 73, Psalm 73, or if you have the Version app, you can follow along there. Uh, open up the Version app down on the bottom where it says more, click on events, and uh, look for Cornerstone Community Church in Owada, and everything is on there. You can follow along. And as you're getting to Psalm 73, we are continuing a series this morning that uh, we have been going through called Being Honest with God. And we've been looking at uh, the Psalms or a selection of Psalms and looking at how these different Psalm writers have had this honesty with God. Like they're not afraid to come before God and, and share uh, their feelings, to confess before him, to, to praise him, to ask him what's going on. There's an honesty that you see in the Psalms, and we've talked about things like confession before God, and we've talked about things such as because we know that God has taken care of us in the past, God has blessed us in the past, we know that he can take care of us. He's big enough to, to be there for us, to take care of our needs. We've talked about uh, several times the fact that we are to praise God with everything. He is worthy of our praise every single day we should have this desire to praise him because of who he is because of what he has done for us we should just have this desire in us that that we want to praise god and we want to thank god and then we come to seven psalm 73 and psalm 73 is a little bit of a tough one one that i think resonates with a lot of us you know, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, once said, Faith is the art of holding on to things in spite of your changing moods and circumstances. Faith is holding on to things when, when your mood changes, when the things around you change, when your life changes, when things are good and then when things are bad. It's holding on. That is what faith is. And in Psalm 73, we see a guy named Asaph, and Asaph, is a, he's a worship leader uh, in the time of King David, and he's a faithful guy, and he, he does what God asks of him, but in Psalm 73, he's having a crisis. He, he's having a faith crisis. He's, he's starting to slip. He's starting to get uh, a little frustrated with things around him. And for many of us, more than we care to admit, sometimes our faith wavers Sometimes we see the things that are happening around us and our faith starts to be a struggle when we see what others are going through and what others have. Our faith starts to struggle a little bit. And Psalm 73, I think, is a, a great psalm because it teaches us some lessons when, when we start to, to lose faith, when we start to see situations around us seem to be better than what we have. How do we deal with this? And so we're going to be in Psalm 73, and we're going to start with the first 14 verses, and uh, specifically starting in verse 1. And in verse 1, it says this. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And God is good to the nation of Israel, to his people, to those who are pure in heart, who listen to what God tells them to do, to follow, or those who follow his decrees, his commands. They are pure in heart. Everything they do is, is designed to, to grow closer to him. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And for Asaph, the truth is, the truth is about to come into conflict with his experience. Because in verse 2, he says this, But as for me, my feet had almost slipped 
I had nearly lost my foothold. God is good to the nation of Israel, to his people who are pure in heart, and yet here we have Asaph, this worship leader, who is starting to struggle. He's losing his footing. He's almost slipped. His foothold is almost gone. He's talking about his faith. He's battling with his faith because something is happening around him. Something he sees is frustrating him. It's bothering him. And what is that? Well, verses 3 through 14 tell us what's going on. It says, For I have envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possessions of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them. They drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and, everything, or, and every morning brings me punishments. Here's the problem. Here is what is causing his faith to slide a little bit. He sees the arrogant, he sees the wicked, but he also sees their prosperity. He sees the, the wealth that they've amassed for themselves. He sees the, the health that they have. He sees uh, the good position they're in, and he starts to envy them. He starts to see what the wicked and the arrogant have, and he starts to believe, that's better than what I have. Oh, and then he goes on to say, look at their life. They're healthy. They're strong. They're free from burdens. They don't have any of the illnesses that, that we seem to have. They're, they're living life good. And, and here we are. I have struggles. I have afflictions. And yet, look at their lifestyle. It looks so much better. And here's the thing. It's not like they're hiding their, their, you know, their pride. It's not like they're hiding uh, their violence, the things that they do. No, in verse 6 it says, Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. What they do is out in the open. It's out in the open. Their pride is out there for everybody to see. Their, their violence is out there for everybody to see. Then we see their, their self-indulgence. They, can, they go after whatever their imagination puts in their mind. They forgo nothing that they want. We see that their speech is full of malice. With arrogance they speak. It's full of scorn. It's malicious. It's arrogant. They blaspheme God and they badmouth their fellow man. They talk as though the earth belongs to them. And here's the thing. It says, therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. The people are turning to them. They're hitching themselves to their bandwagon. And then they're saying things like, God is irrelevant. God is irrelevant. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? God doesn't know anything. God is just, he, he, maybe he thinks he's good, but he, he doesn't know anything. And yet, here they are. They've got wealth. They're free of care. Things are going well for them. And then we, we read about Asaph, and he says, 
Man, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands in innocence. Every day I'm afflicted and every morning brings new pains, punishments. And so Asaph, he's looking at this whole situation and Asaph is starting to think to himself, everything I have done is in vain. All of the things that I have done for you, God, it means nothing because look at my life and then look at theirs. They have everything that they could ever want. Life is good. They're healthy. They're wealthy. Everything is good for them. And look at me. I'm doing everything that you have called me to. I am keeping my heart pure. I've washed my hands of innocence. Everything I do is for you and yet here I am. I am every day is nothing but a new punishment for me he's starting to feel like everything he's done doesn't matter the life he's lived it doesn't matter because over there they have everything and he's starting to feel like man god i've done everything for you and it's worth nothing i'd rather have what they have asaph is growing bitter he wants he envies what the world has because he feels like all he's doing is struggling. And you see, Asaph is having a faith struggle. And you see, this has been a struggle not just for Asaph, but other people in Scripture have had this, this same faith crisis, this same struggle. In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1, he says, You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them, and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. In Job 21.7, Job asks the question, Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? And I think if we were to all be honest this morning, we've been in the same position ourselves. We've asked why. Why do I seem to suffer? Why do I seem to have this medical issue, God, when I am so faithful to you, but yet those who aren't, they seem to have life easy? We've said things like, why do I have to suffer while some, or so many seem to have much? I am faithful. Why do they get to be healthy and wealthy and I don't? Why do they get to have the life that I don't? We probably all have been in that position at some point. God, it's not fair. It's not fair. Why do they get when I'm faithful to you? And you see Asaph, though, he's about to learn a lesson that he needed to learn, and honestly, it's a lesson that we all need to learn, and that lesson is this. There's a different perspective to take. When we start to feel like it's not fair, there's a different perspective that we can take. And so in verses 15 through 17, this is what Asaph says. He says, if I had spoken out like that, I would have been betrayed, or I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. You see, Asaph is struggling in his faith because he sees and he envies and he's grown bitter with what the world has when he, a follower of God, seems to have nothing but struggles. It's as if he's being punished while the world gets to prosper and he's struggling with and so he's trying to figure out what to do about this and he knows that he can't take it to the people if he would have spoke out about this to the people, it would have uh, undermined what the people thought of him. He was a worship leader. They would have listened to him and said, where is your faith, Asaph? And so he knew that he couldn't share it with the people. 
It undermined the confidence they had in him. And so he's living with this question. He's carrying this question. Maybe you've been in that boat yourself. Like you have this, this thing and you feel like you don't know what to do with it. You don't know where to get it out. You don't know how to vent about it. And here's where Asaph realized what he needed to do. It says, Till I entered the sanctuary of God and I understood their final destiny. He realized the answer was in worship. It was in worship. It was when he was in the sanctuary, when he was in worship, that he realized what exactly the destiny was for these people who were prospering. And the destiny is not good. It's not good. And we see that in verses 18 through 20. And so surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly... Are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors? They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. No, the destiny for the wicked, for the arrogant, those who choose not to listen to God, it's not eternal prosperity. No, those who choose to ignore God, they may prosper now, but eventually their destruction is before them. And you see that he places them on slippery ground and casts them down to ruin. They will stumble. They will fall into ruin and be destroyed. And you see this destruction, it will be sudden. And it will not be a happy moment for him. No, it says that it will be a moment of terrors. They'll be swept away by terrors. And then this is especially one that's hard to hear. He says, they are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasy. Guess what? When God sets his judgment, they will be like just an illusion. An illusion, and God will just wave it away. It's like you've woken from a dream, and they're gone. They will be no, they will be no more. It'll be gone. They prosper now, but soon the prosperity will be gone. Soon they will be gone. Their path, their destiny is one of destruction. This reminds me of a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 12, 16 through 21, this parable that he speaks, and he says this, and he told him this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many Many years, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And so they may prosper now, they may store up things now, they may have wealth now, everything may be good now, but a time is coming when they will be torn down. And so... How does Asaph respond to this? Well, in verse 21 through 26, he says this, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I have in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
And so we see that at one point Asaph was grieving. He was in pain, he was suffering, and he was looking at the people around him who were not believers. And guess what? He was, he was bitter towards them. He was upset. He was frustrated because he wanted what they had. Their life seemed so much better to him than the life that God had given to him. And he wanted what they had, and he was bitter. Why, God, are you allowing this to happen? But then we see Asaph realizes that he was ignorant in this. He was ignorant. He was senseless. He was bitter. He wasn't thinking properly. He was speaking about things that he knows nothing about. He was speaking about God trying to, he was asking God to explain yourself when God doesn't owe an explanation. He was speaking in ignorance, and he says, I was a brute beast before you. He, he's comparing himself to an animal who would have no spiritual awareness. Animals have no spiritual awareness, and that's something that separates us from animals is our ability to discern spiritual things. And yet he's saying, in this moment, in this case, in this situation, I was no different than an animal. I didn't know what I was talking about. But he says this, yet I am always with you, or yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Here's the thing, this is amazing. The lack of faith, the bitterness, it didn't push God away. It didn't push God away. God was right there with him, holding his hand as he was going through all of these things. So amazing to think about a God who never leaves our side, even when we make mistakes, even when our faith is struggling, when our bitterness sets in, we have a God who never leaves us. And he does it in Scripture. God promised the nation of Israel that he would be with them in Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jesus, when he talked to his disciples as they were getting ready to take the gospel out into the world, he tells them that he would be with them, Matthew 28, 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're told in scripture to be content with the things we have. Why? Because God is with us. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so not only does he never leave us, no, he also tells us that he guides our steps, he guides us with his counsel, with his knowledge, with his wisdom. He guides our steps. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Psalm 37, 23, the Lord makes firm the steps the one who delights in him. And here's the thing, after our time on this earth is over, after Asaph's time on this earth is done, his desire is to be with God in glory. He wants to be with God. Afterwards, you will take me into glory. Man, if there was anybody, I think, in Scripture who understood this, it was Paul. Man, Paul just had this, this desire above anything else. He wanted to be with Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.8, he says, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord. He goes into even greater detail in this in his struggle in Philippians chapter 1, in verses 20 through 23, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death 
for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. And we know what he goes on to say next. He goes on to say, but I, I'm here. I know it's better for me to be here with you guys, to minister with you guys, and so I will stay. But he has this real Man, this real desire, he wants to be with Jesus. That's, where the, that's the end goal. That's where he wants to be. And what is better than what we have waiting for us? Nothing in this world is better than what we have waiting for us. And Asaph continues this thought, really, by saying that, Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. He wants to be with God. That's it. There is nothing... There's nobody else in heaven. There's nothing else on earth that he wants more than to be with God. That's his desire. And his attitude has done a complete 180. And there's nothing better to him, nothing better than God in his eyes. And it's true, there really is nothing better than God. You see, the things of this world, they're going to leave you looking again and again and again. And you can go back to that well over and over and over again. But guess what? It's going to keep leaving you thirsting for more. That's what the world is. It just leaves us looking for the next source of happiness when really what our desire should be is God. Paul echoes a similar sentiment in Philippians 3.8. He say. Or he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And everything that was in my life, all the accolades, all the things that I've, in, that I've done, the things I've inherited, guess what? It's all garbage compared to knowing Christ, to gaining Christ. And then Asaph goes on to say that if his health should fail him, if he should grow sick, if he should, if he should be weak, he knows that God is right there with him. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He knows that God will never leave his side, even if in his worst times, in his best times, no matter what the situation, he knows that God will never leave his side. Romans, 3, or Romans 8, 38 through 39 stands out to me when I read these words. It says this in 38 through 39. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, here's the deal. Asaph had to have a shift in perspective. He had to. He could look at life and continue to be bitter. He could look at life and continue to see that others have the things that he doesn't. He could continue to feel frustrated with God, but he realized what he needed was a shift in perspective, and God gave him this shift in perspective, and that is the same thing we need, a shift in perspective. You see, we shouldn't envy the things of this world. Our desire shouldn't be for the things of this world. It shouldn't be for the things that will eventually fade and fall apart, ruin, destruction. All those things will come to those who choose not to follow God. And we should not envy those things that they have, the prosperity, the health, the wealth that they have, because we know those things will eventually fade. Those who choose not to believe may prosper now, but guess what? It's not going to hold up. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 reminds us 
Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Our desire should not be to envy what the world has. We know those things will eventually fade, fall apart. No, our desire should be to store up treasures in heaven, not in earthly things, not in earthly thoughts or feelings or emotion, but in setting up treasures in heaven that will not fade. And you see, so often our response is to look at the world with enviness and bitterness and say, God, why can't I have what they have? And I think that's the wrong perspective. No, I think instead our perspective should be this. It shouldn't be to envy what the world has. It should be concern for a lack of what they don't have. What they don't have is Jesus Christ. What they don't have is a relationship with the Father. What they don't have is a future. That should concern us. We should not envy that. We should be concerned. And then in Psalm 73, 27 through 28, as we wrap up this psalm, he says, Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. We have this here, this recap. This is what it all comes down to for Asaph. They may pro- the world may prosper now, but guess what? If they don't know God, they will meet a sad end. Their destiny is destruction, and it is not a good thing. However, for those who believe, we can find refuge, we can find strength in God our Father. And then Asaph says something that many of the other psalm writers say at the end. I will tell of all your deeds. I'll tell of all your deeds, and I've said this once, and I'll say it again over and over and over again because I think it's true. If God has done something in your life, if you've seen him work in your life, if you've seen him move in your life, if you've seen him change things in your life, if you have salvation because of what he has done for you, then guess what? You have a responsibility to tell people about it. And we may not all be called to be preachers or youth pastors or elders or whatever, but we are all called to share our testimony. We are all called to share our story and to tell people what God has done in our lives. And so here's where I want us to to land this morning. I think if there's one thing that we need to think about coming from Psalm 73, it's this. Stay faithful because great is our reward. Stay faithful because great is our reward. Reward. You see, sometimes it's easy to be in Asaph's shoes, isn't it? You see those around you who don't believe and they seem to be happy. They seem to be prosperous. Things are going well. Business is good. Life is good. Things are good. Everything seems fine. And here you are and you're facing a trial. Life isn't everything you thought it would be following Jesus. There's difficulties that have come up in your life. And you start to look around and you start to think maybe it would just be better to give this whole God thing up and follow the world because at least then I see all the things they have and life will be good. Man, we need to be faithful to God because we know those things are not permanent. But we struggle with that, right? We have this great reward in, in God our Father, a life with Him, life spent with Him, a future glory. We have all of these great rewards in God our Father, and yet we struggle. And I've got to be honest, I can relate to the struggle and you have no idea how many times I've 
gone before God and asked God why. Why, God, this just is not fair. I am faithful to you. My wife has been faithful to you. We don't lack faith in you, God. We do everything you ask. And why is it that, man, the one desire we have, you don't seem to answer? And I've come before God so many times and asked God, why in the world can I not be a parent? Why? And I've argued and I've been angry. And I've started, in some points, to start to slip, start to lose my balance, start to wonder, man, is it better to give this all up? A man, just like Asaph, is when I started going back to God and saying, God, why? And I started looking at his word and I started talking with him more. I started to realize God doesn't owe me an explanation. God doesn't owe me anything like that. God has already done enough. And it's in those moments when I've had to say, God, I'm sorry for what I've said. I'm sorry for what I've done. I should trust you more. God, you are all that I need. You are everything that I need. And it's been going through that and talking with God about that and worshiping God that I realized that my perspective was all wrong. It wasn't about, God, why are you not giving me the desire of my heart? It's, God, you should be the desire of my heart. You're everything. And when I did that, it's changed my perspective. I'm an advocate for adoption and foster care, and I'm, we're working towards that. And in the meantime, I get to be an uncle to several nephews and two nieces. I get to, to help kids learn about Jesus on Wednesday night. And man, until the day comes when that happens, and if it does happen, if it doesn't happen, it's whatever, because I know that God is enough. I choose to trust God and take advantage of the opportunities that he's given me. And it's that perspective that has helped me to stay faithful. And you see, this is what we are called to. We are called to stay faithful. Because we know that if we stay faithful, Scripture tells us we have such a great reward. God is, the life lived with God is a great reward. What is coming next is a great reward, better than anything this world offers. So we are called to be faithful. James 1.12 tells us, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 1 Corinthians 15.58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Peter 5.4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Stay faithful because great is your reward. Great is our reward. And I want to remind you of this. When you start to feel bitter or envious of what the world is doing, what the world has, stop for a minute and think about what it is that they don't have. Think about the fact that our Savior wants to see them saved as well. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so this morning, we may be in Asaph's shoes. We may be feeling, man, God, why are you not 
answering my prayers? Why do they seem to have so much when I seem to have so little, God? Why do they seem to be healthy when I am sick, God? Why do they seem to have the life that I want to live? Think about what you have in God. Think about the relationship you have with God. It's greater than anything that the world can offer. And think about the fact that he is enough. Stay faithful when you feel like you should have what the world has, when you should have what other people have. Stay faithful to God and trust in him. Make him the desire of your heart, the center of your heart. Take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you. And he may answer your prayers the way you want him to. He may not, but that doesn't mean he's not enough. Stay faithful because great is our reward. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. And as they do, maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to him. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in him to begin with. And there's nothing better than Jesus Christ. Nothing that the world can offer could ever match what Jesus Christ can do in our lives. So if you've never made that decision on your Connect cards, you can fill those out. I'd love to talk with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you have had a moment of slip. You've slipped. You've started to, you've started to slip. You've started to fall off the rock. You've started to, to question things. You've started to lose your faith a little bit. And maybe what you need to do this morning is spend time laying those things at the feet of God and telling God, I'm sorry that I've doubted. I'm sorry that I've tried to make everything about what the world can offer. But God, you can offer so much more. I'm sorry that you haven't been the desire of my heart. You haven't been the center of my heart. God, everything is secondary to you. Maybe this morning you've struggled with that and you just need to go to the feet of God and you just need to spend some time in prayer. If that's the case, do so. Do so. If you need to come up here and pray, I'd love to pray with you. Man, it's easy sometimes to be in Asaph's shoes, to look at what the world has and start to doubt God, God, why are you not giving me these things? But man, know that the world, it may be thriving now, but guess what? Your destiny is not. But praise God that, that in him, in our relationship with him, we have more than we could ever imagine, more than anything we would ever need in him. If you have a decision to make this morning, if you want to give your life to him, if you just need to spend some time in prayer, do so as we stand and we sing.